Welcome to another podcast from Planet Shakers Church. For details on campus locations and service times, check out planetshakers.com. Today we've got Rudy Nickarud speaking on A Place of Glory. Let's check it out. You know, last week a conference was all about show me your glory, the glory of the Lord. And uh, today, I've I just been thinking about it all week and obviously I had an amazing time at conference. I think it was one of the greatest conferences I've had the privilege of going to and being a part of. And so I've just been thinking all about the things that God did and I, I wanted to bring a word again today flowing off the back of conference. I've simply called it a place of glory. And uh, in the Old Testament, if you know your Bible, you know that in the Old Testament, the glory appeared like a cloud at different times. In the wilderness, the glory appeared like a cloud by day and like fire by night, like a consuming fire. Uh, when Moses was having a conversation with God about His presence and His glory, the Bible says, God said, I will, my, my presence will go before you and it will be like uh, goodness passing before you. And, and so in the, in the Old Testament, there's all these different ways that the glory manifested. In the New Testament, we don't get the cloud and we don't get the fire. Uh, we have Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation of the glory of God. And as I was preparing a few weeks ago to preach our Christmas messages here, I was looking all about the story of Jesus, His birth and His lineage. And if you look in the, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, it's the start of the New Testament, they're the four Gospels. And, um, and, and both Matthew and Luke, not the other two, Mark and John, but Matthew and Luke include the lineage of Jesus. And as I was looking at it coming into Christmas time, uh, if you know the, the Bible, Luke is the longest gospel. Luke is a physician. He, you can tell he's a detail guy. He was probably a little bit OCD because it's, it's not just the longest gospel, it's the longest book in the whole New Testament. In fact, a lot of people think Paul wrote the most of the New Testament. It's not true. Paul wrote like a hundred different books in the New Testament. Luke wrote two and his were longer than all of Paul's put together. Fun little Bible trivia for you. But, um, but so Luke is, is a man of detail. So it's no surprise that he's got the lineage of Christ in there. But Matthew... Matthew's the other Gospel that has the lineage of Jesus in there. And Matthew, the whole point he was writing his Gospel for is he was writing it specifically to the Jewish audience. And, and, and he was trying to demonstrate in the way that he wrote the Gospel that Jesus is Messiah, that He has the right to the throne of David as Israel's true King. He's the ultimate fulfilment of God's promise of Abraham. And both of these accounts contain the lineage of Christ. But if you compare them, What's fascinating is there's different names. You might think to yourself, how are there different names in someone's lineage? Isn't your dad and his dad and his dad and his dad, shouldn't it be the same in both books? Well, the reason is because one of the Gospels contains the lineage of Christ from Jesus through Joseph, his stepdaddy, and the other one contains the lineage of Christ from Jesus through Mary, his biological mummy. And both of them have different names at different points, but they all go back. You can trace it all back to David. They both have David in the line. They both have Judah, tribe of praise. They both have Abraham. Of course, they both have Adam because everyone came from him. And so the names are different, but what it proves 
There's a reason I'm getting to, flow with me. What it proves is that the reason Mary's was in there is because biologically Jesus came through Mary. And so biologically He is from the line of David. But Joseph, Joseph might not have been biologically involved, but he's a good man, probably better than most of us because he stuck around and he trusted God. And so legally, he's the stepdaddy, but legally the line of lineage comes through the man. And so legally, Jesus comes from the line of David and biologically He comes from the line of David. Now, why is this important? Is because there were prophecies about how the Messiah had to be uh, uh, come onto this earth, how He had to appear. And it needed to be proven that this man, Jesus, came from the right family and the right tribe and the right line. And so the reason this lineage is there is it proves that Jesus is who He says He is. And He is, one of the things He does is fulfil that prophecy about the Messiah. But here is the point that I'm getting to. Somebody say, here's the point. I made it. So what, what is astounding to me in the account of Matthew. Now remember, Matthew is addressing a Jewish audience living in a Roman world. Is Matthew includes in his lineage four women. Now to write down the lineage, you didn't have to include any women. You could have done it without including any. You could have just gone son and father and son and father over and over and it would have been accurate. But Matthew includes four of them. And so it's astounding just for the fact that he includes them unnecessarily, but even more astounding, understanding that he's in a Roman and a Jewish world and mentioning and including women like this was incredibly uncommon. But I, I wanted to take a moment and thank God that these women were in there. Now, once you know who the women are, you might think that's weird. Why are we thanking God that they're in there? But, but, Watch this, look at this. The first woman who we saw in the lineage of Christ in the book of Matthew is a woman named Tamar. This woman sold herself as a prostitute to her father-in-law and lined up and ended up in the line of Christ. Solid. The next woman in there is Rahab. She was a prostitute, but God took extreme measures to save her and her family. She ended up in the line of Christ. The next woman is Ruth. Ruth was a Gentile, a Moabite woman. And until her acceptance of Jehovah as her God, she wasn't even able to claim covenant with God. She ends up in the line of Christ. And the fourth one is the woman that we know is Bathsheba, but she's not even mentioned by name. Matthew simply says the wife of Uriah. And that's significant because she was the wife of Uriah that had someone else's child. So we've got two prostitutes, a Gentile and an adulterer. Thank God those women are in there. Now you might be thinking, Matthew, couldn't we have chosen four of the more upstanding women? Or why don't you choose to point out the sin of some of, them, some of the men that are in there? But no, Matthew chooses these four women. And I'm, I'm thanking God that they're in there because they're in there even though their mess is on display for all of us to see. Because I, I want us to understand, we need to be thankful for this today because Despite all of the messes in their life, they end up in the family line of Christ and they play a part in carrying the seed of Christ, which is the seed of glory. And that should be an encouragement to us because every one of us in this room has some mess that we got going on. But Jesus, Matthew's making a point here, even about the line of Jesus, that all of these people, despite all of their mess, they end up in this line of Christ. And the good thing about this is Jesus, 
Jesus can heal your mess and understand the mess that's in your family. You might think you got a messed up family line. Well, we got a Saviour who can understand a messed up family because He came from one. And that's good news. Can we go deeper? You see, despite the mess, all through the family line as you read it, you know, these are the bits of the Bible that we skip over. But all through the family line, you've got to understand Jesus is coming. And I've got good news for you today. Jesus wants to step into your life. He wants to step into your situation. He wants to step into your right now and your today. And when Jesus steps into your life and to your family, it doesn't matter what your past is like. It doesn't matter what kind of family you came from. It doesn't matter what your grandfather might have done or your great aunt twice removed might have been into. When Jesus steps into your family, He can bring breakthrough. He can break every curse. He can set every person free. That's the power of Jesus coming in. So Jesus' entire existence is connected to frailty and failure. And these women became a part of a line of generations bringing Jesus into this world. And the good news that I want us to see today is that God will allow anyone to carry His Name, to carry His power and to carry His glory. Let me make that point again. God will allow anyone, no matter what your past is like, no matter what family you came from, God will allow anyone, if we would come to Him and receive Him as our Lord and Saviour, He will allow any one of us to carry His Name and carry His glory and carry His power. Man, I'm glad I'm not God. Like in my strategy, I'd be looking for the rich people and the influential people and the good looking people and the good family background people. Like if I was God, I'd be like, let's choose the best of the best to represent me. But God says, I don't care who you are. I don't care if the world thinks you're up and above above, or down and out. If you would receive my grace, you can receive my power. If you receive salvation, you can receive my power. If you'd receive Him, you can receive His glory. No matter who you are, you can carry Him. Let me prove the point to you from the Bible. I haven't given you a Scripture yet. Let's, let's, Let's give you this. Romans 8 verse 35. It says this, Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, can we just take a moment and put a praise on that Scripture? I mean, that Scripture right there, that's just about all the promise we need to get us through this week. That right there changes everything. See, not even the powers of hell can stop you from experiencing God's love. But here's where I want to take it deeper today. Not even the powers of hell can stop you from carrying God's love. See, these women that Matthew mentions, they all went through some hell. Sure, some of it was self-inflicted. No doubt others of it was not self-inflicted, but every single one of them became a carrier of the seed 
of glory of Christ. See, be encouraged today. God wants to touch you. God wants to heal you. God wants to fill you. God wants to move through you. And so I, I was drawn to these Scriptures in Luke and in Matthew. And we see how Christ came into the world. But let me take it a little bit further. We see from those passages that God will allow anyone to carry His glory. And so Christ was born. And Christ is the visible manifestation of the glory of God. But watch this. There were two significant moments in the life of Christ when the glory of heaven broke out upon Him. The glory of heaven broke out upon the manifestation of glory here on earth. Look at this, Matthew chapter 3. There's an account where Jesus arrives to be baptised by His cousin, John the Baptist. And this all takes place at a location by the Jordan River. And as He's coming up out of the water, the verse will be on the screen. It says this in Matthew 3.13. It says, And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. And so as He's getting baptised, it's like all the heaven can't contain itself anymore and just breaks out for every person that was there that day to see. As the glory of heaven is getting baptised, the glory of heaven breaks out upon Him and says, this is my Son who I love. I'm well pleased in Him. But then there's an encounter just like it a few chapters later. Matthew chapter 17, Jesus takes His three close disciples, Peter, James and John, takes them up a mountain and there's this encounter that takes place. We call it the transfiguration of Christ. And up on top of this mountain, the glory breaks out again. And it says this in Matthew 17 verse 5, it says, Even as He spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Listen to Him. Side note, an encounter with God's presence and God's glory will always endorse heaven's reality of who we are. We don't walk away from an encounter with God's presence and God's glory feeling like a failure or feeling like a loser or feeling like we're no good or feeling like we can't do what we're called to do or feeling like we're stuck in our ways. What happens here is when the glory of heaven breaks out, one of the main things that happens is an endorsement of who that was. This is my Son. See, when we have an encounter with God's glory and God's presence, what it does is endorse the reality of heaven over our life. I am a Son of God. I can do exactly what I was called to do and put on this earth to do not because I'm great all on my own, but because the power of heaven is in me and greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, that's what an encounter with God's glory does. We walk out of His presence going, yeah, I can. I can do this. I can do what I'm called to do. Not without Him, but because of Him. And so this encounter, it endorses God's reality of who we are. It doesn't endorse what our past would say we are or our mistakes or our weaknesses. But, but I want you to see this. These two encounters that take place, these two outbreaks of the glory of heaven. The first one, the baptism of Jesus, takes place the location in Israel. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the Jordan River flows into a place called the Dead Sea. And right, right before it flows into it, this is the location where, that, where, where Jesus was baptised. You can go and get baptised there these days still. People still do it. But that location happens to be the lowest point in the entire world. And at the lowest point in the entire world, the glory of heaven 
broke out. Hang on. You're telling me that the glory of God could break out in the lowest place that you could possibly find yourself in this entire existence on our planet? Absolutely. But that's not all. See, that's where the glory broke out in the baptism. The transfiguration, the Bible tells us that Jesus took His three friends up this mountain called Mount Harmon. And that just happens to be the highest place in all the land that you could possibly go in that region of the world. And so there's this encounter where the glory breaks out in the lowest point in the world. And then Jesus, a few chapters later, takes His friends up a mountain, the highest place that you could possibly go in that area of the world. The glory broke out there as well. So the glory of God can reach in the lowest place and in the highest place. And what this tells us is that there is no limit to the glory of God. There is no limit to His reach. What it tells me is you cannot get yourself so high that His glory can't reach you. And you cannot get yourself so low in this life that you can't experience Him either. You see, what I want you to see today is it doesn't matter what your past might have been like, or it doesn't matter where you may find yourself in life right now. The glory of God can be a reality in your existence. You see, sometimes sometimes we go through difficulties. And the way people approach difficult seasons in life is we think sometimes we need to get out of that place or we need to get through that valley or we need to get out breakthrough before we can have an encounter with His goodness. We just need God to get us up out of that place before we can experience His goodness again before we can experience His glory. But His glory was in the lowest place and in the highest place. And just like Moses, when Moses encountered God's glory, he encountered His goodness. When you encounter the glory of God, you encounter the goodness of God. And so Jesus had this encounter with the goodness of God in the lowest place in the world. So what I wanna encourage you with today, church, is if you are going through hell, then you need to look up because God's glory can meet you in the lowest place. And if you're in a time of mountaintop experience as well, you need to look up because God's glory wants to shine upon you there. And this is where I feel like God brought it all together for. See, this year is still the year of humility for us as a church. You know, Vision Sunday is coming up in a few weeks and every year God gives our pastor a, a new vision for the year. And I, I love, we've said this for years, but I feel like every year we go on, I see it outworked more and more and more. It's not like when we hit Vision Sunday, we just draw a line through this year and forget the year of humility. It's like, yes, I can be proud again. What's God got for us next year? It's like God adds year after year. So Pastor Art Boshoff last week, he preached this incredible word over our church, supernatural acceleration. That was adding on to a word that we got a few years ago. And God is saying, come on, don't forget that word. God wants to keep doing that as well as what He's bringing on to us next. And so this year of humility. You know, when you're going through a rough time in life, you're going through a low place and maybe you're not in, in this room right now. Good for you, well done. Without being prophetic, I guarantee you'll have some this year. And so when we're going through this low place, you know what we need in that moment is humility. Because sometimes we can allow the troubles of what we're going through to overwhelm us. But humility in low places is a reminder that it's not about us. Don't, don't let anxiety and worry and the cares of this world dominate us. His love and His goodness and His glory can reach us in those low places. In fact, the Bible says in James 1 to consider it 
pure joy when we go through trials of many kinds. I hate that verse because what that verse promises us is that there are gonna be hard times. But the reality is I don't need that verse to tell me that. I've lived in this world long enough to know there are gonna be bad times. But James is saying, no, consider it joy. Not thankful that I'm going through the bad time, but I'm thankful that even in the midst of that bad time, I can still experience and encounter God's goodness. You see, that takes humility to admit that and to call out to Him. But here's the other thing, like I've always just understood metaphorically that going through a valley is a bad time and a mountaintop experience is a good time. And, and there's truth to that. But you know, the other thing about a mountaintop experience, however you would define that in your life, that might be a moment of great achievement or great breakthrough or great success. You know, in those moments, there are also moments when pride can creep in. We can find ourselves having done something great or experience a success or an achievement in our life and it can be real easy in those moments to allow the thought to start to creep into our heads and say, yeah, I did work hard for this. Yeah, I am good. I did do all of those things. It was me that God chose to use. Yeah, I'm pretty all right. And you know what? God did choose to use you, but it's a dangerous sort to ever think that we're self-made in any way. The reality is we can't even take a breath without the goodness of God, without God blessing us with the ability to take a breath, much less have great achievements or see great victory. Everything I've ever done that's been worthwhile or of value is only because of God's goodness in my life. Anything I might be gifted at, what is a gift? It's something someone gave me, God, that I didn't even deserve. And so we've got to be careful in those moments to say, yeah, I might find myself here right now, but I know better than anyone. I never made it here alone. I'm only here by the grace of God. You see these moments of high places or low places or whatever elevation you find yourself in life at the moment, they're moments we need to approach with humility. And in humility, we make room for God. We honour Him. His glory is revealed in those moments in any place can be a place of His glory. Any person can be a carrier of His glory. And I'm gonna, I wanna finish with this thought. I'll invite the team to come back. Both of these encounters that Jesus had, I wanna point out to you and declare over you what the result was. See, we saw earlier, any encounter with the glory always endorses heaven's reality of who we are. But in both cases, Jesus walks away from those experiences, the baptism and the transfiguration, the low place and the high place, having been publicly endorsed as to His identity. Side note, you don't need to announce yourself. You don't need to be a person that walks around endorsing yourself. When you're carrying the glory of God, heaven's gonna give you all the endorsement that you need. You don't need to be endorsed by yourself or by your Instagram profile or by other people. When you got a touch of heaven upon you, that's all the endorsement you need. That, that's not my point though. And after His baptism, you read it in the Bible. The Bible says that He is led, that He goes into the wilderness where the devil comes at Him, but He wins. Turn to your neighbour, just look at him and say, He wins. Come on, like you believe it, just say, He wins. So after His baptism, 
there's this encounter with the devil, but Jesus wins. And then after the transfiguration, if you read it in your Bible, the Bible tells us that Jesus went back down the mountain to a large crowd and there was a boy there that was oppressed by the devil. And many people had tried to set him free, but no one could do it. But Jesus walks in in that moment and says one prayer and the boy gets set free. And guess what happens again? He wins. Look at your other neighbour and say, He wins. So after his baptism, there's this encounter with the enemy, but he wins. And after the mountaintop experiences, there's this encounter with the enemy, but he wins. And so close to the start of this year, I came with a word in my heart that I wanna declare over you that this year will undoubtedly, it's gonna hold some challenges, but it's gonna hold some mountaintop experiences as well. But I wanna declare over you this year, no matter a low place or a high one, this is gonna be a year where you will win. You can turn every place into a place of encounter and a place of His glory. And as we humble ourselves and position ourselves for His presence, it's gonna be a year where you will win. Don't be led by the headlines. Don't be led by the prevailing winds of society. You're gonna win. You will grow. Your family will come to Christ. You will impact people with your testimony. Your urban life group is gonna grow and multiply. You're gonna get that contract. You're gonna get blessed. You're gonna get married if you need to get married. You're going to get pregnant. You've been believing to get pregnant. I'm declaring this year is going to be a year where you will win. And come on, if you got faith for that, I wonder if you could give God a praise in this room. Yes! Come come on, I want to I want to stir you to confront any area where the enemy might have lied to you or stolen from you or had you believing in less than God's best. You see, an encounter with God's presence and God's glory, it changes our mind of who we are and what we've been listening to. So today, I want to encourage us. It's always a good time to look up. No matter what elevation you might find yourself in life, it's always a good moment to encounter Him because we can turn any place of our life into a place of His glory. You know, I walked into church today, I'd invite us all to be upstanding. Full disclosure, I wasn't in the room during praise and worship of this service. I've got a sick child we're looking after out the back. My child, not someone else's. But um, I, I, I was able to creep into praise and worship at the first service in 9.30. You know, I, I was drawn to these stories in Scripture a couple months ago when I was preaching. I was reminded of them this morning. And this, of course, this never happens in our church, just other people's church, down the roads, different services, different people. But you know, sometimes people come into church. And I was reminded of these stories in Scripture. You might have heard me say this, but indulge me. You know, there's this encounter that takes place in the book of Exodus between Moses and Pharaoh. And there's, Pharaoh needs to let the people of God go. And Moses goes, you need to let the people of God go. And there's all these plagues that start breaking out. Like it's crazy. And one of the plagues is a plague of frogs. Like how creative. That's amazing. And, and like frogs, frogs are like, like I'm not scared of frogs, but they're just gross, like bleh, icky, you know, like doesn't scare me. Among, but these frogs were everywhere. Like they were in people's beds and showers and pantries and fridges and like everywhere. Frogs were everywhere. Can you just imagine that for a moment? Like it just makes me go, like get off. 
And so there's just frogs in it. Like how disturbing would that be to our everyday life? We couldn't rest. We couldn't get clean. We couldn't get well fed. Like there's just ickiness everywhere. And finally, Pharaoh relents. He's like, fine, you can go. And Moses like, good, good, good call. I'll pray to God, the frogs will leave. When do you want them gone? Tomorrow? Does that seem like a good day? Pharaoh goes, yeah, 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 tomorrow. And I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with you? Why wouldn't you just say, right the heck now? I want the frogs gone now. Get rid of them now. But he's like, no, I'm good. One more night with the frogs. Like, I don't need to rest more. I don't need to, you know, one more night. Sounds good. Like, that's crazy. And then there's this other story I was drawn to. A lot of us would know it, the story of Jonah. One of the shortest books in the whole Bible, but just like crazy. And there's this encounter that takes place. Jonah is running away from God. He jumps on a ship and this storm comes. He's going the wrong way. Now you would think if he was a smart man, he'd just be like, all right, God's bigger than me. Turn the ship around. I'm gonna go back to doing what I'm called to do. But he doesn't do that. He says to the sailors on the boat, he's like, I'm the one at fault, throw me overboard. The moment he says that, you're like, okay, this guy is a sandwich short of a picnic. Like there's, it, the, the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's just not all there. So he gets thrown overboard. Now, if it was you or me, like we're sane people, that would be the moment I would start praying. I'm like, God, I'm in the ocean, in a storm, save me. Doesn't do it. In fact, the Bible says a giant great fish comes along and swallows him. That's the end of chapter one. The start of chapter two, three, Days later, Jonah decides to pray. I'm sorry? Three days later? Like even if it's not the moment you get thrown in the water, like maybe that's just a moment of clarity for you. It's like, oh, I stuffed up. The moment I see a stinking big fish swimming towards me with its mouth open, like any sane person would be like, God, 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 help, help, help. Like you would start praying that. He gets swallowed by the fish, sitting there in his pride and stubbornness for three days. And then he's like, all right, fine, I'll pray. And the Bible says he prays and he's delivered. That's simple. How crazy it is that people, of course, in other churches and other services, Come into a room where we have every opportunity to encounter life-changing, mind-renewing, heart-healing, spirit-free, presence and power of God. And in these unnamed churches and untimed services, but in the same room, There's other people just a few rows away. Would we be those people today to say, God, I'm gonna turn this place into a place of glory. And I do that every time I lift my hands and open my heart and say, God, I need You. God, I worship You. God, I want an encounter. I might be in a low place. I might be in a high place. You might be somewhere in between. But any place and any time and any one of us is a great opportunity to say, God, I need You. Would You make this a place of Your glory? Thanks for joining us today. I hope that your faith was filled and you were encouraged. If you have any prayer requests or want to connect with us further, search for us on our social media at Planet Shakers. We'd love to hear from you.